Welcome to a brand new episode of Getting to the Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. Not to be confused with Robert Lee, but Rob Lee. And uh, today's guest is writer, illustrator, Michael Bracco. That's, am I pronouncing that right? Uh, yeah, um, I, um, yeah, absolutely. Bracco, Bracco. Bracco. Um, people, yeah, Bracco. Bra- Bracco's Modern Life, no. Uh, <laughs> oh my God, if, if you have any idea how many times I heard that in middle school. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> but um, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Uh, this is great. And kind of reading over your bio, I, I think like I have like, I've had tangential kind of like maybe back in interest in some of the stuff you've done outside of oh. even knowing who you are. And I was just like, hold on, run that back. And I was just reading certain things. I was like, I've reached out to these people before. Oh, I've been here before. So yeah, I want to get into it a little bit. That's awesome. And, um, Talk about like your background. What I try to do in this show is give very general and I prefer to let the guests tell their story and what their background is and how they want to tell it. So if you would share with us, like, what is your background, elevator pitch or however you want to hit it off, but what's your background? Um, as far as like, uh, just, uh, uh I guess, um, non-specifically, <laughs> I am a, um, um, an artist that grew up in Northern New Jersey and moved down to Baltimore for MICA about 23 years ago. And oh, wow. I've lived here ever since. Um, I went to school uh, at, at MICA to be an illustrator and uh, an art teacher. And I got out of school and immediately got a job, which I'm still working at the same place, uh, teaching in Ellicott City, uh, teaching middle school art. Um, and I've spent the time since then um, writing and illustrating comics. Um, uh, I started a business called Spaghetti Kiss, so I do a lot of apparel design with all of uh, with a lot of like weird science fiction and fantasy creatures and robots. And um, I also do a lot of performance art with a very strange but wonderful group called Super Art Fight. Yeah, hmm. We'll, we'll be talking about that a little bit, I think. Uh, uh, I kind of figure. <laughs> so yeah, like um, it, it, it's interesting because like I I had to stumble into the comic thing a little bit for myself, right? Um, mm-hmm. I was a kid, uh, well, forever ago, and. I, I had this comic and it was just like basically action teams, some pastiche of X-Men or what have you. But a, a teacher got a hold of it and she saw, she was like, did you do this? I was like, yeah, like I was going to get in trouble because I've gotten in trouble before for finishing the test and then her and sketching something. And, and she was like, yeah, this is actually pretty good. Like you're like 10 or 11 or whatever. And I was like, huh? So get the whole thing. Somebody got some attention, Baltimore school yards, bong, bong, bong. And then I really didn't go any further with it. It was just like, I shifted to something else and fast forward to like kind of now within the last year and a half, I, I didn't think I had the, the bandwidth or the stamina to try to draw everything. Like it, it's just, I don't have it anymore. I just don't have that desire anymore, but I do have the desire to kind of come up with stories and write things and things like that. So I write a comic now and I kind of stumbled into this thing I wanted to do as a kid. And that was really cool for me to kind of stumble into to it through podcasting. Well, I think, I think the stumbling into it as a kid, first of all, that's awesome that you got back to it. Um, second of all, I think the stumbling into the thing you wanted to do as a kid is, is really an important aspect of it. I'm so I'm, I'm 41. So I grew up in like middle school and high school in the nineties. And so, I mean, 
in northern New Jersey, um, in kind of an area that was a mix of, you know, middle class and like very, like very upper class. And um, um, I remember being this skinny little target of a kid and growing up just loving comics. And I didn't actually read a ton of them, but I would look through them Mm -hmm. over and over and over. I didn't have the like focus to really sit down and like commit to reading them all the time. So, um, and I remember being in love with them and drawing out of them. And I I actually remember uh, in middle school getting like having my parents called in because I was constantly drawing in class and they're like, you know, your kid, he's a, he's getting B's and he could totally get A's if he would just close his sketchbook and pay attention. So I got like, you know, handed the the whole, like, you better, you better do this uh, right. You better put that pencil down and start paying attention. And then I, as soon as I stopped drawing in class, I started failing everything. And it was just, a, and, and so, and my parents who have always been amazingly supportive were very much like, no, 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 keep drawing. We'll write you notes. We're a little sad that you're only going to be a B student, but at least you're not failing and you found a way to like pay attention. And then I got to, to high school and in, you know, I brought up my age because when I was going through high school in the nineties, it was not okay to like comics. Right. It was like, kiss your dating life goodbye kiss your social life goodbye it was it was really really a hard thing to be into and so i just like not cool don't want it anymore and gave it up right and um and i it wasn't until i was graduating mica when i was like starting to discover comics again and you know being handed a lot of the like um you know, the, the, the stuff that everybody got handed in the early 2000s that yeah. was like, yeah, it's just superheroes. Not that there's anything wrong with superheroes, but, you know, it's, it's, it felt so finite. And I remember getting handed things like Battle Angel Alita, and, um, uh, which is uh, this crazy manga about this cyborg girl and just her, like, um, her journey to feeling more human or... Yeah. Um, the Dark Knight Returns, which even though that creator, Frank Miller, turned out way different than I hoped uh, <laughs> as a human being, yeah. um, his early work very much was like this questioning the world using science fiction and Batman and The Dark Knight Returns. And, and I just became obsessed again. And then I just started just making comics, uh, starting at like when I was 21, and just doing the thing that brought me so much joy as a kid and being terrible at it. But still, like... I was, uh, I'm a screen printer. So I would like screen print covers and like photocopy the insert. And I was like running uh, anthologies uh, on the Micah campus and like getting other people to make comics and putting it all together. I actually just stumbled onto a bunch of these. Um, I had this, I'm air quoting and saying company (laughs) called uh, Candy Coated Sinister. And it was just all people who didn't make comics trying out the medium and diving in and, and it was just, it was bliss. And, and it was just that feeling of like, oh my God, I feel like I'm 12 again, but with the ambition of a, a 22 year old. And yeah. here I am, you know, 20 years later, and I still have that same feeling about making comics. It doesn't have to be what you're told it's supposed to be. And it's so this joyous, childlike, amazing act that is forever challenging. Mm-hmm. I always am being 
asked to draw something I've never drawn before or write <laughs> something I've never written before. And it's, it's, it's the best. That's fantastic. <laughs> I think like, you know, I try, I, I have always have issues when I talk to people when it comes to like having a conversation around art, because people have an idea of this is specifically what art is. And I'm, what you were describing earlier, it's like you're working with people who've never done it before. And it's like, work within this medium. And I've been doing that recently with podcasting. Like some people, you know, I, I take a very artistic kind of view of it. Not just, and hey, I got a microphone and I'm just going to talk some shit or whatever. Not my, not my lane. I, I don't really like to do that. I like to craft something. I try to add value, but I try to tell, I try to tell a like story or I try to get something out there to make you, you feel something. And and I try not to sound pretentious when I'm saying it either. Um, <laughs> because I was realizing how, how pretentious it sounded. Um, but I think whenever you're that into something, <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> I, I think the thing to keep, because I don't think you sound pretentious at all. I think that when you speak with something for, and there's just joy in your voice when you, t- when you geek out about it, yeah. that's what kind of obliterates the pretension. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. And, and yeah, so I, and that's all I hear is you talking about the craftsmanship of of podcasting. Which, well, well, thank well, thank you. Yeah. And and working with like I've been um, playing with audio for for years, but um, as far as like saying I'm a podcaster and doing podcasts since 2009, and I was like 24. I was at a birthday party and I was just like, I am washed. I am exhausted. I was like making a lot of money, first job out of college. And I was just like, I am creatively stifled here. Like I don't have anything. And I was kind of one of those, those people that I needed to express something and I didn't care how or which way I was going to express it. And it turns out I am better at speaking it or I enjoy speaking it more than trying to write it, but I've enjoyed writing it as well. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of direction I've gone into it. But for the longest time, I was just sitting there for like the first two years of my career, like quote unquote, being happy, you know, making money, chasing that dream out of college. Great. But then just like, I am doing nothing. This sucks. And, um, I, I had to come to a place where I was like, I need to do something creative and I need to figure out what was creative and how we describe creative uh, or creativity. So I ask you in that, that same way, how, how would you describe creativity? Do you think it's something that's a finite thing? Do you think it has a, and that's a really broad question. I know. Yeah. Um, but for you, like how, how, what kind of label, what kind of attachment would you put to it? Oh, that, I think it's a great question. And, and it's, I come at that from a few different viewpoints. Um, uh, since I'm uh, an art teacher, um, I'm, I'm always trying to quantify creativity. Um, you know, teaching art, teaching 11, 12, and 13-year-olds, which, you know, I always get the same response when I say that that's the age group I teach. Middle school, uh, I still think of as the worst three years of my life. <laughs> and I almost didn't take the job. I love I love my, my teaching job. And, um, you know, that... Middle school as, as like the level that they're learning at is um, they want to do things on an adult level. They aren't able to do it fully, but they're able to recognize that it's not as good as they want it to be. Mm-hmm. So that's where a lot of this like creative um, frustration, this conundrum of creativity kind of comes in play. And, you know, you always 
you work with kids, you try to help them foster like their creative problem solving skills. And you always hear parents and other teachers see kids work and, uh, up on the walls. And they're like, oh my God, these kids are so talented. Love, look at this. Oh, it's so great in art. They get to express themselves. And that always bothered me so much because number one, talent, I think is a really big misnomer uh, when it comes to creativity. I think, yes, talent exists, but talent is magical. Talent is like that one in a million who without any effort can just bam, do something. Right. And these kids aren't talented. That kind of takes a crap on the work and energy and learning and the science of what they do. And, you know, the other big thing that they say is, oh, these kids, like, it's so great that they have art. They can express themselves. Like that's the easiest thing in the whole world. And I mean, True self-expression, I mean, that's that's the human condition. That's what we're trying to figure out how to do before we die, and very few of us get to do that. Right. And so I find that talent is BS, and self-expression is the hardest thing in the world. And creativity mm-hmm. is the science to attaining those two things. And so creative problem solving is, is very, like, like, complicated binary. It's very much like, hey, I want to make a thing. Let's explore it. Let's ask questions. Let's have discussions. Let's ask every yes and no that we possibly can. And then figure out what's been done. Cancel that out. Explore, like, take some tropes. Choose the ones that we can, um, you know, like take on in new ways. And sure. and doing this with, you know, uh, 13-year-olds and watching them um, and, and, and kind of fostering that makes me realize that creativity is your – that like the building of techniques in order to solve a problem through, in this case, visual art or through writing or through conversation or whatever the art form is. And that is a huge undertaking. Yeah. And it's something that you can explore for your whole life. I find with comics, um, every story I've done, everything that I've, I dove into started off with a what if question. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, like like that comic from That's, Marvel back in the day. Series, I yes. love that comic. Uh-huh. And um, so the idea is like everything is a what if. And every story I've ever done is like, well, what if this happened? <laughs> um, I know that um, uh, the book that I have been doing for the past, got eight years, uh, it's called The Creators. Mm-hmm. And it's about young people who can bring their imaginations to life through their artwork. Yeah. Um, and the idea from it came from I found out I was going to be a dad in 2012 and I started going through all my old children's books just to see get excited about being a dad and I came came across this book which I, I thought everybody knows this book it turns out uh not as many people know about this book <laughs> as I thought but I came across uh this book called Harold and the Purple Crayon sounds familiar yeah okay so Harold and the Purple Crayon is a very very simple simple book um uh, about uh, it's a it's a black and white with a spot color of purple, okay. and it's a kid sitting in a blank bedroom with a purple crayon, and he's bored. He has nothing to do, so he draws a window. He looks out the window, and he's like, "Man, there's nothing to see." So he draws the moon, and he's like, "Oh, okay, I can see the moon." And then he's like, "Man, I wish I could go and visit the moon." So he crawls through this window that he draws and just starts drawing a world and exploring it. And so I was like, I was reading this book and I was like, man, what if this actually happened in the real world? (laughs) How screwed up would that be? 
because you know with everything and you know that that kids go through that young people go through yeah. and if a kid had a power we wouldn't treat them well and this thing would be fueled by emotion and we would treat them with nothing but fear and hate and all these bad things would happen and then we'd blame the kid instead of ourselves yeah. and 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 so i started this this kind of conversation with myself and and then would like talk about it with my wife and would just go back and forth and then from that like exploded this this whole world that i i wanted to explore that's great uh and i i'd like those are the types of stories that kind of catch me like the, the what if piece because you know i'm in my regular day job i'm a, a data analyst so critical thinking is a thing and it's like problem yeah. solving creative problem solving being able to pivot and I've somehow leveraged just me overthinking stuff into a career. So go figure. <laughs> uh, so I want to, I want to get into a few questions yeah, um, related into related to Baltimore. And then at the end, I'm going to hit you with some, like some, some quick rundown questions, some Baltimore related questions. These were not invited included when I initially sent over questions, this, this last okay. group of three and they're ridiculous. Uh, but this, this question, let's see. Um, so who are, some artists that that you admire like being in in the medium and being a being a, a writer and an illustrator who are let's say a few writers that you admire and a few like um, illustrators that you admire oh okay so um uh one of the tough things with this is i find that the a lot of the the staple ones that i i loved younger i i grow up and 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 they grow up and i mm-hmm. it's it's really hard to have your heroes not turn out the way that that you want them to, which sounds really silly and pie in the sky, but it's very true. So I th- find that my my list currently is a newer one, sure, and um and it's one that um is both fueled by people who I consider colleagues who are in like the indie comics community, but also um uh, people that I I've seen at, at, like just a, as a fan. Um, I think my favorite writer in all of comics is um, Brian K. Vaughn. Okay. Yeah. Um, he is the ultimate what if uh, writer. And um, as far as, I, let me, let me, let me <laughs> qualify that statement. He is the ultimate combination of a what if writer and like a entertaining writer. Yes. There's just this mix of like fun and wonder in his books and everything that he's ever done has made me really look at the world around me and and develop as a person. Um, my my favorite example, of course, is the one that I've passed around to so many people who have never read a comic before is Why the Last Man. Uh, yes, yes. Um, which, if you obviously you've read it, I own the hardbacks. <laughs> oh yeah, it's amazing. So the the concept, which again was such a huge informa- inspiration for me, was. What if every male on the planet just died? It's been real, guys. And, it, 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 and, and, and this is like, you know, long enough ago that even though we're aware of this kind of thing, it wasn't like on the tips of our tongues talking about how patriarchal our society is. And seeing somebody explore like, oh, hey, all the men just disappeared. Look at how on one level, because of how set up for the men it is, it just falls apart. Right. And let's just spend time watching how women are like, well, look at this shit they laid for us. Let's go build it back up and make it amazing. And yes. it's just, and, 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 and it's this very existential, incredible journey. Um, and then to, to piggyback off of that, 
Um, uh, although I, I, and I, I love his book Saga. It's not my favorite thing he's ever done, but the artist he works with, I am insanely inspired by. Um, I, I get bogged down in little details and I, I find that she as an artist has this insane and intense energy in every line that she does and mixes it with just this crazy creativity and fantastical thinking and uh, character design that I just can't get enough of it. Uh, Fiona Staples. Fiona Staples. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that like, uh, why the last man, uh, my, my man's Dan, he got me onto it. I was like just in a spot and just had like a really rough time and I needed some media to kind of like hook myself to. And he just started giving me like the trades. He's like, read this. And I'm not a fast reader, even with comics or what have you. So I was just like, oh, okay. And then it's like maybe two weeks. And then he was like, did you finish that one? I was like, I did. And then he's like, well, here's the other one. I was like, I'll take two. And yep. uh, I just went through, got out, yep. got those, those two done. And, um, my girlfriend is like, she, she reads saga or it has like some of the, um, the trades and, and she, she loves it. And she always talks about it. It's always with us in terms of like conversation. There's always some pop culture reference. Me, it's like eighties action movies. Her, she's like, yeah. So in saga, this happened. I was like, huh? What? What are you, what are you talking about? Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and that's the thing is I think he, that writer is amazing at like creating pop culture mm-hmm. that is both very entertaining and very fun, but also very meaningful. And I think that that's, you know, in an age where, I mean, I, with all the TV and movies that we kind of like take in through streaming that feels like, Oh, they're like just doing this idea, but different. Um, it's cool to see a creator who is really trying to come up with like new ideas and really push the boundaries and keep it meaningful. I like that. Uh, let's see. Um, so what's one of the most rewarding parts of being a creator in this region, in the Baltimore area. And I guess the counter to that, what would be one of the more challenging aspects, aspects of being here and being a creator? Oh, oh, okay. Um, I don't, oh, I, I could tell you about the positives and negatives about being a creator. As it mm-hmm. pertains to Baltimore, I kind of find that the positives outweigh the negatives so heavily. Uh- all right. That I don't know if I could think of a negative, like I can think of a lot of negatives to being like a practicing artist and trying to make, build a living off of it. But I don't think any of them are specific to like where I am. I mean, if you think about it, Baltimore is a city that has a, a crazy history <laughs> that is filled with so much. Like, I mean, on one hand, there's a lot of the like, on the on the surface, bad stuff that everybody that doesn't like we were talking about this before that everybody yeah. didn't, that doesn't live here is like, oh, you live in Baltimore. Uh-huh. Are you okay? And I'm like, <laughs> yes, I love this city. It's such a, it's it's a it's a fuel for creativity, and I think that there are some. There's a it's small enough that there's enough community. Um, like I know everybody else who. Um, I know most everybody else that makes comics in Baltimore and I know it most everybody else that designs and prints t-shirts in Baltimore. I know like a, a huge amount of the art teachers in Baltimore and that sense of community, that sense of camaraderie yeah. is so intense in this town. I also think just as um, 
access. So, so I, I, I make, which is really difficult right now, but I make most of my living as an artist doing shows, conventions, festivals, street fairs, things like that. And I've never been good at the interwebs and um, you know, it's, it's never been my forte. I do my best and you know, I, I, it's fine, but I'm, I'm very much an extrovert. I'm very much a people person. I'll work, yeah. you know, four days in a row, 12 hours a day on a convention floor and it's over. And I'm like, woo, let's go for a beer. You know? I, <laughs> and the great thing about Baltimore is we're, we have a ton going on in the city and we're two hours away or three hours away from everything you could ever want. Totally. So like I do normally, not this year, but I do like 40 shows a year. Wow. Conventions, festivals, like I said before. And, and I, I, if all of them dried up and were like, ah, we're not going to have you back. I'd be like, Oh, this sucks. And then I'd spend six months and I'd find 40 different shows. You know, it's, it's, there's so many people so hungry for art and willing to support, um, I'm just, I'm just always so amazed at the amount of, I don't even want to say support because I don't feel like people are just buying stuff from artists around here because, Oh, it's so nice to support you. No, people are like actively looking for thought provoking and interesting and alternative things to what they're going to find in on Amazon or in a store. And we're a good hub. One of the things I've been trying to throw out there and get this idea across because trying to grow, trying to put something out there and put out just, just good stuff um, and just creating good stuff because we're attached to like social media and the way that we are, people just, Oh, set it and forget it. I can just schedule this and have this post go out there and people will come. And it's like, no, you need to look for people to endorse what you're doing. I just support, endorse it, like being an evangelist for it. And, yeah, yeah. And, and and one of the things that um the so one of the things I did it was a goofy conversation. Um, and it was a little bit of a what if actually. Now that I think about it, so I I don't know because we're we're close to the same age. Uh, if you watched SWAT Cats back in the day. Oh, I, I never like religiously watched it, but I know exactly okay. what you're talking about. So I remember like my, my girlfriend's a, is a, is a, is a bit, is a few years older than me or have you. And she'd never heard of the cartoon. So I was sitting there and I was just talking to her and I was just riffing one day. And I was like, I feel like there has to be like, you know, a judicial wing of like SWAT cat, you know, just having that, like they're the law and order. We need justice. Like who are the lawyers in mega cat city? And I was just like ranting on about it. And she was like, what are you talking about? I was like, so there's a no attorneys at Claude. There's no special kittens unit. And she was like, you're stupid. What are you talking about? And I was like, this has legs. So we just started writing different stuff. So she's, she's done a few comics as well. And she's a writer and she's helped me with a few um, installments of it, but I've done like 12 and I was like, one of, one of the things I wanted to do, because I have a relationship with a few of the people that run different conventions, BlurCon, for example. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can get them to just say, here's a table. I was like, if I get there, like just that whole stumbling thing I was talking about before, if I get there and have like a table with my goofy book, that was just a podcast joke. I was like, I, I was like, that would be amazing. That's like the yeah. ultimate what if for me. And it came out of just some conversation that, you know, we eventually turned into a podcast and I was like, this is, this is great. Um, and I think like people here would support it because people like cats and, uh, yeah. So people like cats, um, they very much do. I, and as a cat lover myself, I am surprised. <laughs> I, I did a cat design recently for a t-shirt. It's this 
cute little black cat and exploding yeah. out from behind it is this giant demon monster. And it, the idea is it's the nature of all cats. And I was like, oh, this makes me laugh. I <laughs> People are just like, oh, my God, a cat. Here's money. And it was amazing to me. But, but it's it's ridiculous because um, I, I'll, I'll send you over a few things, what have you, if you're interested. But um, it's I, I try to make a little reference to the firm, like that movie, and, and some of the, the part of the story. And it just gets stupid. And it's very this much great. I am so in. It's very much my personality and my co-host's personality. And it's like one part where it's like, yeah, so you took a bunch of money from that company you're working for, right? Justice. Mm, no, no, no. But you took money, like Cayman Islands, like printers. No, Justice, we're going to fund this. We're going to take down everyone in Catlanta or whatever. It's just... Oh my god! <laughs> I, I like puns. I like puns a lot. I was gonna say this 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 book must be at least like seventy five percent puns, close to eighty. But yeah, okay. uh, it's out there. It's out there. Um, so let's see. I want to talk about um super art fight a little bit, and I want to kind of craft that into one. You describing it, and two, uh, I want to talk about wrestling just a touch, um, because I, I have an observation on that. But okay, describe you should know. I'm I'm actually not a wrestling fan, even though I like I don't have anything against wrestling. I don't know uh-huh. a lot about it, so you can ask me questions, and I'm going to pull answers directly out of my butt. All right, fair enough, fair enough. I, I'm okay. looking forward to that. Uh, <laughs> so uh, describe Super Art Fight, and then I'll ask you the question afterwards. Sure. Okay. So um, Super Art Fight is a stage show. It's a live. Well, right now it's not a live stage show, but usually it is a live stage show that is. Um, it's kind of like professional wrestling. However, instead of fighting with each other, you have two artists who have personas get up on a big eight to 10 foot wide canvas and they draw at each other on around each other's <laughs> artwork to a theme, like let's say robots versus monsters. And the yeah. whole thing is announced by two um, improv comedian commentators. Okay. So during a show, you're going to see usually like, anywhere from two to four matches and 25 minutes. And every five minutes during a match, we roll this thing called the wheel of death, which is a big digital topic generator. It throws up things like cute animals on fire, Uh Muppet burlesque, you know, things (laughs) like just things that can be taken in tons of different ways, but are also evocative of something funny. Sure. Um, And um, so, so every five minutes you get this and you have to immediately throw it into the mix. So it's a lot of improv comedy. And then at the end of the bout, um, we judge the winner with a decibel reader, and whoever gets the loudest cheers wins the match. Now, we all have characters and costumes. We have somebody that dresses up in a big blue um, uh, sort of dinosaur costume called Stompadon. Um, we have, um, let's see, uh, uh, like a, a NASCAR race driver called Stevie Speed, mm-hmm. um, a... Uh, uh, an alien named Bunny. Uh, uh, and I actually um, play a really, really bad Eastern European male model named Baron Von Sexyful, who is a professional narcissist. That's amazing. Um, yeah. And so so we've been doing this for like 10 years. It's the weirdest thing you'll ever see. Uh, my favorite element of it is um, I've always wanted to, I've, I've, I've always been in bands and, um, uh, haven't for the past 20 years but when i was growing up i was like always in a band and always you know trying to get shows yeah. and as an artist you never have that like rock star moment where people are screaming bloody murder for you it's just not the name of the game yeah an art fight kind of adds that in 
And, you know, we've gotten to, you know, we, we play the auto bar all the time, yeah. which, um, and we've, we've traveled all over the country. We've even played in Canada and, um, you know, it's cool to go to a place and have a thousand people just like waiting to see this thing that they're like, I don't know what the hell this is, but I want to see it. Yeah. So now with COVID, we were like, well, I guess we can't do shows. And our crew all like just took on different roles. And now we're like producing a Twitch show that has like graphics and sound. It's, it's amazing. And I, I like didn't have too much to do with the production of it. Yeah. And it's just amazing to see how, how our crew has just stepped up and continued to have our show be a thing, even though it's, you know, we can't be together. So yeah. that is one of the coolest and weirdest and why haven't I been involved in it sort of things I've ever heard of. Uh, look, I, I, I don't know what else to say. Uh, There's I mean, nothing like it. And I didn't come up with the idea at all. I was like the first person that they're like, we don't know you, but we know <laughs> you make pictures and wonder if you want to try this. And I was like, that's the greatest idea I've ever heard. <laughs> and 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 like and that was before the, the like the costumes and the characters that was just we're gonna get up and we're gonna have you draw fast on a wall and we're gonna make funny jokes about it and i was like yeah that's it i'm, I'm good let's do that and now it is this you know we've done almost 200 live shows and now we've done like 15 or so well i guess nine or ten yeah. of these like internet versions of it and 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 like uh, it's just you're right it's about that what if like well we're a bunch of nerds who nobody <laughs> wants to see fight or maybe they do but we don't want to so what if we turn drawing into a giant fight and just have fun with it and it's amazing it's so much fun wow again yeah I, I, we, we'll be talking uh, <laughs> <laughs> i like yeah it's 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 a lot of fun you already answered the question actually i was like so uh what would your wrestling persona be and i was like well you, you kind of already have it out there because I, I look at, cause I've watched wrestling for forever and, um, yeah, I watch a lot of wrestling actually. And we kind of got into a place where it's just like, yeah, I see that wrestling's a parody and so on. And it has its, its thing. So definitely looking at like the characters and all of that that you've described, it's like, all right, I kind of see what they're going for here. I kind of see it now. Um, let's see. Um, I, I had a, another observation, a question. Um, so with all the projects you've been involved in, mm-hmm. they, they, it almost sounds like AKAs, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it's like AKA this, AKA that. So how do you, how do you balance your time? Um, well, I, that's, that's a cool question. And it's, it's one I actually get asked a lot because, you know, um, I would say that balance is the most important thing to me. And, um, you know, like, so, so like I said, I work full time as a teacher and that's, and, and I work uh, an hour away from my, um, my job, or my, my home. I work an hour and a half from my, or an hour from my home. So, I, um, and between making, making comics and everything really it, it's before I had a kid, it was just about just do everything and sleep when you can. Mm-hmm. And I remember when my daughter became, um, I, I just remember being like, well, we are financially dependent on me working these two jobs. Mm-hmm. And 
so I can't stop, but I also, I, I want to, I want to dad hard, you know, I, I really want to do that thing, um, to, to, to its fullest. And so like up and up until COVID that my rule was I will go to work, I will come home and I am not allowed with, with rare, like emergency, uh, exceptions. I don't work on artwork until she's asleep. Right. Um, now with COVID and her school happening remotely, um, I will work while she works and be there coaching her through school and stuff like that. Um, and have found that I really enjoy, um, and I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I really like teaching her math. Oh yeah. I, I know. Yeah. It, I've had so much fun, like figuring that out just doing school with her in general has just been really rewarding. Um, but, um, I'm always, I think the balance comes from always trying to find ways to streamline your time. Um, yeah. uh, I, I worked as a caricature artist and that coupled with super art fight. I, I, I think that I, I've, uh, I have developed the skill of finding good ways to work quickly without sacrificing quality. And, and I think that, um, screen, being a screen printer helps. That's not the most time intensive thing. Um, uh, but I think it's the search for balance that gives me balance more than actually being balanced. If that makes any sense at all. No, it, it does. Um, I, I had to come to a point where, so within the, the network in, I don't know. I, I, I get on this rant every now and again. If I drank the right amount of alcohol, I'll, I'll rant about it. I was like, I'm too talented for this shit. And anyway, um, uh, so like at one point I want to say, um, cause I've been doing this you know, podcast thing for years. At one point I did five different shows a week and I did the show prep, the editing, the writing, all of that different stuff around it. Oh my and God. I was just like, how do I balance this? And like, again, as I said before, I don't really get into reading. I kind of get the piece of information that I need. And did I move on? Unless it's for like entertainment and enjoyment and so on. But if it's something that I'm trying to learn a skill, I ended up reading this, this, this segment from this book and I read a few chapters of it, but the segment from this book that caught my eye was um, like the four hour work week. And it got me in this idea of like balancing time and stacking time. So mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I want to do this creative thing. I still have to do my day job. So it's like, all right, how can I stack these two things? So I was like, I'm going to listen to podcasts on this particular topic. So I feel fulfilled in this area. Uh, I'm going to work out. And when I work out, I'm going to find a way to play video games or read a book or something to do two things at once because I was pursuing balance. Cause I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do all of these things that I want. So what things can be complementary of each other? I can't podcast and bike and lift weights, but I can maybe play a video game and feel that way about it or read this book or even get the audio version of this book to still kind of get the story and read along with it, you know, maybe in other, other instances, but finding a way to stack those times and those projects. Or the other thing that I, I learned, cause with, with being, with doing the editing for the podcast, I was like spending a lot of time editing. So oh, editing is, is, I mean, it's a lot of fun, Yeah. Um, but it's, it's the biggest time suck yeah. of any project. It's, it's, it's tough. And you, you know, you'd work with people and you know, Hey man, you want to, want to edit this podcast? Absolutely not. I was like, huh, wise man. And 
I would go through it. And it's funny because the, the job I'm at now, um, you know, the data analyst job, they found out about my podcasting background and they got into podcasting and they were like, would you be interested in editing? And I was like, yeah, you should send that through my, my LLC. Uh, <laughs> cause you know, it's a, it's a whole different process, but in it, I found an editor. I was like, I am attached to this. This is my baby. This is my art, all of that stuff. But I was like, what part of it can I take away? So if it takes me two hours of show prep minimum and an hour, maybe an hour and a half for the show. It's like, I'm already at four hours. If I do the editing, that's another two hours minimum. So it's like, that's a lot for that one episode. So if I can hand this off to an editor and he does it professionally and just sends it back and all I have to do is worry about these other components. I was like this, having that concept of like kind of juggling that time and stacking that time that came out of it for me. Yeah. I, I, um, well, also finding people to, to work with, finding people you trust, um, you know, for uh, up until recently, I've only, um, done comic projects that I have written and drawn. And I'm, I'm actually, uh, working on a project now with the writers of a book called the first law of mad science, which is an amazing book. Um, don't ask me what the first law is. That's mm-hmm. kind of the, I, I think the, the toughest part about that title, uh, it's a great title, brings a lot of people to their convention table. But the whole point is that there isn't really a first answer. And so like, okay, yeah, we can't talk about this. So, um, but, so I'm working on a project now where it's like, normally I write, I, or I, I plot, I write, I script, I thumbnail, I pencil, I ink, I color, I letter, all of it, right? And then yeah. I have to go through, and I used to have a publisher, and um, money in comics is... Um, um, an oxymoron. <laughs> um, and, and, and I, 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 from being a screen printer, I, I, I knew how to take a product and bring it to shows and make a living off of it. Right. Sure. And so I, I was like, ah, I'm just going to self publish from here on out because I know how, where the money goes and where it's coming from. And I can handle that. I can access Kickstarter. But again, it's still like, it takes me, it would take me like three years to do an entire project and then it's like three more years till the next one. Right. So I'm finally doing this thing where I helped come up with the idea and there's back and forth in it. But all I had to do was thumbnail and do the, uh, the inked line art for the whole book, which is a big job, but yeah. it was amazing to have something that was incomplete and said, here you go. Yeah. Now this is yours. And we can talk about it and we can go back and forth about it. But like the idea of having people to collaborate with is the most amazing thing, especially once you've built that relationship of trust and are like, oh, I know you're going to do great things with this. And I'm sure it's like that with your editor where it's like, no, you've got me. We're good. Yeah. I mean, uh, he he didn't ask because he also is a producer like he's doing music and uh, because he's a he's a musician and he got into editing as like a way to make money because he was just like, yeah, yeah. he's like, yeah, the musician gig isn't really working as well as I thought it would be, but you know, people need their audio edited. So I was just like, yeah, you know, also if you got something that you think would fit what we're doing, I trust what you, you do. And you've been our editor for like the last three years. So, and, he, and he's British too, which kind of adds to it for me. It's like, yeah, we always make fun of him. It's like, can you just put in a tea kettle blowing or something? And he just, Oh no, <laughs> he gets really tight. And he's just like, all right guys. Um, so the last question I have, and then I'll get into the, um, the real quick, uh, quick hitters and then shameless plug time for you. Um, best piece of advice you've gotten, um, working in comics. 
Oh. Hmm. Um, it's the advice that I always, and I, 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 I got this, I got this from the guys at, um, 215 Inc. Okay. Um, which is a Philly, it's a small indie publishing company and the guys who are running it. Um, I was like really trying to find a publisher for the, for the creators. And at, at some point I, I kept like talking to them and, and, um, and they're like, why you, you've been published. <laughs> why just put it out, man, just to do it. Like I, and, 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 um, there's a, a guy that I worked with, with a uh, super art fight, Jamie Noguchi, mm-hmm. um, who his catchphrase has always been. And I, I don't know if I have to edit myself, but I'm gonna, but it's effing do it. Um, <laughs> uh, and he's made t-shirts. He, you know, it's, he has a podcast called the yeah. actual word, the F and do it podcast. And, um, and I, and I think that that's the best advice I ever get. God, just do it. I have so many people who come up to my, table and they'll want to talk to me about their project mm-hmm. and which i, I love I, that's I, i'm so honored that somebody would see me and what i do and be like this is a person i want to share what i do with and maybe they'll have insight i mean and 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 this, the advice i always give them is they'll start talking about the world that they've built and that they've conceived and i'll be like well what have you done so far and i'll be like well I'm still just world building. I haven't really done anything mm-hmm. and I'm not an artist. I, I, I think I found a person, but, but you know, all, all, all these stuff that like these roadblocks that get in the way and they're all long-term goal roadblocks. And I was like, I mean, all you need to do is, which is a lot, but like, if you want to make a comic, make a comic. Yeah. It do, you don't have to take on the entire thing of what you're going to do. Just pick a little story from this world that you're so passionate about. and just tell a little story. And then, like, there's so many easy ways to print a comic affordably. Like, go print 25 copies, bring them to your local comic shop, and say, hey, can I sit down and try to sell a couple of these one day? And then if you do that, maybe a convention, and at the end of the year, after you've made a comic, and if you still want to do it, then you've done the right thing. Yeah. But you can't know if you like doing something until you actually do it. So the best advice I've gotten and the one I always give is just make it whatever it is you want to do just do that too too often people just get in their own way get in their own spot and yeah just they 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 make a copy of themselves they dr manhattan themselves they get on all fours and then they trip over themselves that is what (laughs) happens to in my opinion and you know like we did our um we did our 10th anniversary show almost a year to the date uh like last year and we were, um, it all came about from just a relationship that, you know, I kind of stumbled upon with the guys at, at big improv and they were like, yeah, um, can we, you know, would you like to be here regularly? Would you like to record here? We, we know that you've been podcasting. Like we listened to your show. I was like, great, fantastic. And we started recording there every week and, you know, we've talked and had all of these different conversations. I hit them with the notion. I was like, we're doing our 10th year show. Can we kind of just post up here? And I knew nothing about like organizing the shows. So that's another thing that I've done with any of the live shows we do. I'm a project manager. I'm doing all of this different stuff. And 
the, around this time last year, I'm much more comfortable despite being in a pandemic and the racial instability and all of the stuff that's happening. I'm in a much better spot than I was last year. I was like, I'll burn everyone. We're putting up oh, posters. Because no. uh, we were out there doing Artscape, putting up our posters for the show. And we found oh, out. We found out that later that day, someone took all of our posters down. So we were out there sweating our asses off. As I, as I put it, I sweated off part of my ethnicity last year. <laughs> and some jacks, they just took all of our stuff down. I was just like crestfallen. I was like, man, but we had a great turnout. We got a video of it and it, it was dope. And, you know, it was exactly what I wanted it to be. But it was just like quickly learning something and I wasn't letting anything kind of getting that way, especially myself, getting that way of not doing it. I was just like, we're just going to get it done. We're just going to get it done. That's, that's just what's going on in my head. It's like, there's no failure, no, eh, well, just getting it done. Yeah. So the last questions I had, quick hitters, and then we'll get to some shameless plugs and then I'll give you back the rest of your afternoon. Um, so these are Baltimore questions. This is a Baltimore podcast. Awesome. Best crab cake. Oh, Who easy. Has it? Easy. Cocos. Okay, another one in the cocoa column because I, I think so, – May I qualify? May I qualify this please, statement? Please. So because this is an argument that I, – <laughs> so I, I, as far as picking up from a restaurant, that is the best. I, and I've heard the GNMs. I've had the GNM. Mm-hmm. It's very good. It does, it, <laughs> it's cocoa all the way. Um, um, so there's also that my, my, and my, I gotta say my second favorite is not from a restaurant. So there's Papa's right now. Okay. Papa's is like the, when you go to the restaurant, the crab cake is, it's good. It's good. Mm-hmm. But they also have like a little fish market right across the street from there. And those things are bananas good. Like, so yeah, the, the, the restaurant, fine. The one that they like sell, yeah. like they're good, but they're not like the best I've ever had. Um, and, but right across the street, the place that they also own that just like, oh, I call ahead and I go and I pick up a bag and bring it home. Yeah. Incredible. So, yeah, I, I'm curious. What's yours? I'm- um, I, I like now I have to try them because I've not had um, I've not had Papa's um, and I've and I've I've heard. Um, what is it? Um, Coco's. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I haven't had either of those because I, I've been making my own for the last few years. I try to do a Japanese influenced crab cake Ooh. and I've been smoking them recently because I've bought a smoker. So that's the oh, lane man. I'm in. That's the, the the place I'm living. Um, but, um, what's the place in little Italy? Um, damn it. Uh, I like theirs. I'm blanking on the name because it's been a while since I've actually gone out and bought a crab cake, but, um, that would be it. But I'm very interested in, in Papa's because, I've uh, heard multiple people mention it. Since I've brought this question into the show, multiple people have mentioned it. I'm so glad to hear that. Not the restaurant. Go to the little market. (laughs) They also, that market, has the greatest fried clams ever. Okay. And there's, I I, I love fried clams, but I can't stand when you're just sitting there like, I think that was more than fried breading. These things are like (laughs) eating thumbs. It's delicious. Uh, Not that uh, I support thumb eating. I, I do actually. Um, oh, okay. so we're, we're a pro thumb eating podcast here. Um, so Moe's is actually the place that, um, that was my crab cake location for a long time. Ooh. It's one of those things I inherited from my dad. They have the, the location in Towson and the one in uh, Little Italy. And, um, they do that stuffed, um, shrimp, which is basically like a crab cake with a big jumbo shrimp in it. 
oh, it's, yeah. it's fire. Um, but yeah, I, I need to explore. That's a new project I'm thinking of. Like I, I wanted to do a, and, and this is inside baseball, I guess, but a travel show for Baltimoreans by Baltimoreans, because I think it's a lot of places people don't check out. And it's like, who has the best crab cake? Let's put them up. Let's, let's, let's check them out. Let's go there and grab a friend and go get something to eat is the tagline I'm using. I mean, if you're looking for taste testers for that show, I, I, I know a guy, um, <laughs> you know. Then the, the last question, um, since it's summer and it's sweltering and all of that stuff for most of the time, um, best cr- uh, snowball flavor. Oh, um, whew. so I, 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 we actually have a snowball stand at a um, garden center, like a local little um, called um, Walther Gardens. Okay. And um, I am I am one that when it comes to flavors like that, it's hard for me to pick a flavor because mm-hmm. I am uh, okay. So I'm I'm a pretty adventurous eater. Sure. With one exception, there's nothing I won't eat, or at least try. I have my preferences and all, but this place um, does some insanely cool combinations of flavors, and I've had like. Oh, I think I had like a cardamom and peanut butter there or, you know, like just crazy. And and that to me, that, or like an elderflower and pear with marsh. And I was just like in heaven because it was like, oh, I'll try this and this and this. And I'd love going back there because it was the weirdest flavors. Um, so it's hard for me to tell you because most snowball flavors are, are, are not that much different than like flavor ice flavors. Sure. So saying your favorite is, is just kind of saying your mood. So I'm more in the team adventure okay. than the team like like those original flavors. Um, yeah. I, I hope that's a good enough answer. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, that, that sounds good because um, there are certain places like that, uh, that location in Hamden uh, with the quality snowball uh, stand. They have mm-hmm. all of these different things there. Like they're mm-hmm. like the doors of this storage unit or whatever their place is out of is just filled with the names and the types and flavors that they have. And I was like, all right, cool. But as a purist, oh god, I just I okay, no, I do have a favorite. Yeah, Hamilton Tavern. Uh huh. In the summer during the Hamilton Street Festival, so that's way northeast Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, they they have a damn good burger. Um, they would do. Um, cocktail snowballs Thanks. and Sounds they would good. do watermelon mint cocktail snowballs uh-huh. and they were with tequila they were awesome <laughs> that's the best snowball i've ever had hands down i totally forgot about it 100 percent. so that that's actually a, a good one i think the quality snowball they do one and they have the i think it may have the mint in there you have like piece like sprigs of mint or what have you mm-hmm. and really smallly cubed up uh watermelon and it's oh. like all right you guys are cheating these qualities and these ingredients are a little too quality for a snowball but my my go-to and i stumbled upon it so for the longest time i, I kind of didn't really support my my baltimore flavor profiles i was like i'm not eating any egg custard and now egg custard is kind of my go-to. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Back in the day, uh, we used to sell not, not snowballs, but frozen cups here. And um, my, my family sold frozen cups. So we, we would try all these different things. But because we were um, goofy kids, oh, I'll try the Batman flavor. I'll try the Superman flavor. It's just a color. It's not a flavor. So <laughs> 
now I get a combination because I'm a bit of an adventurous eater, but I'm more of a, these flavors work well together. Let's just go this direction. I right. do a half coconut and a half um, egg custard. And it's a, it's a fire combination. It's very tasty. Oh man, that, no, that sounds good. That sounds yeah. really good. It'll probably yeah. be better with alcohol. So now that I know, maybe with like rum. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh man. And if, and if you, if you ever late July, it's usually the weekend or two after uh artscape Hamilton fest, the, the, the Hamilton tavern will always have these like crazy combination alcohol. Oh, they're the best man. Noted. Uh, so here, here's the last few minutes we have. Um, and, and again, thank you for, for joining the show. This has been great. Oh, this has been awesome. Thank you for having me. man. Totally. So, um, links, stuff, social media, any information you want to put out there, anybody you want to, um, put us on to or any events you have coming up virtually or what have you or anything to check out. Um, here's your time. So, um, let's see for me, I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. My company name is spaghetti kiss. Um, uh, like lady in the tramp, but, uh, the imagery is more like two monsters with multiple tongues making out. Um, it's the label on the back. So that's my clothing line. And it's pretty much what I go by everywhere online. So, um, Instagram, Tumblr, all that kind of stuff. Um, I would say, uh, super art fight is very much worth checking out. Yes. Um, uh, I don't think I'm on the show this weekend, but we do have one. It's, um, if you go to super art fight at super art fight everywhere, um, you can check out a lot of what we do and you can find things that Baron von Sexyful has done on the YouTube page. Um, and uh, we're on Twitch, so twitch.tv slash superartfight. We do a show every other Saturday. Um, and uh, I guess that's pretty much it. I think those, like, because I, I, I know with the comics, everything you can find for me is just, again, it's just spaghetti kiss, so I'm easy. Yeah, then that's great. Um, and again, thank you for coming on the show. That's that. Um, so for for Michael, I'm Rob Lee, and I'm saying uh, this art all around...